0: Support for Eagles Enemies is brought to you by our friends at Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience, just like we're providing you this podcast for the best analysis for each Eagles game every week. And that's why manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and just released the new and improved lawnmower 3.0 and 18 months guys is about how long it took Howie Roseman to kind of assemble this team to what we have now. And you know what we're dealing with? Uh, are Manscaped's third-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to advanced skin-safe technology pioneered by Manscaped. And, I mean, if Manscaped could offer some of that advanced skin-safe technology to patch up the Eagles' offensive line, that would be fantastic. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes, so one-and-a-half football games, so you can take a longer shave. The waterproof technology allows you to groom in the shower, and one of the coolest features is the LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. They've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor, which is the equivalent to how fast Jalen Rager runs on the field every single week, with quiet stroke technology. And let's not forget about the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by the simple power source of USB. If you are listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. Trim that junk of yours, get 20% off, and free shipping with the code USP at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. That's right, I said get 20% off and free shipping with the code USP at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code USP. Let's get into another edition of Eagles Enemies, presented by Underground Sports Philadelphia.
1: Reach out, it could be better than a fantasy. I got my levels out of place last night was a long one looking for a quick fix, looking for a shortcut, but if I want a game player uh, for the long run, what do I bring to the table Set dumb luck? There's a good chance the last thing I pick up will show up in my sleep and crash all my dreams with some shit I won't repeat because it's not what I'm proud of. Some heaviness, some pettiness,
0: and things I'm ashamed of. Alright, the bye week's over. The mental vacation from the NFC Least is over. But the Eagles are getting healthy, so that's a positive. Welcome back to Eagles Enemies, ladies and gentlemen, right here on Underground Sports Philadelphia. KB with you, hanging out with the man, the myth, the legend from Gotham Sports Network, Ethan Levy.
1: What's up? It's good to be back. I don't even think you had me on last season. Was it two seasons ago? Yeah, I had you on the
0: first season, and then... We were trying to get you on, but you had your vacation, which was like probably the last vacation you had before COVID struck down. Yep. So at least you got that
1: vacay in. I did, yeah. But it's good to be back. I'm happy to be here, and always appreciate you having me on.
0: The crazy thing is, you haven't been on since uh, Daniel Jones has taken over as quarterback <laughs> for your New York Giants. So maybe, let's maybe start with lying. that, because I know I, you are... I didn't
1: actually go on vacation. I was just lying, so I didn't have to defend Daniel Jones on a podcast. Uh,
0: Let's start with that. You know, your your love and affection towards your franchise quarterback.
1: Yeah. Um, being facetious, obviously, there. Uh, <laughs> it's, I say it's a tough situation, but it's really not a tough situation. It's a tough situation when you consider who owns the Giants, who the current general manager of the Giants is, and how brain-dead half the Giants fan base is. It's really not that hard. Um, you know, if you had asked the fan base, probably even ownership, you know, a month leading up to the draft. Hey, if we wound up with Daniel Jones with the six overall pick, how would you feel? I think a majority of fans would be angry. Um, A lot of fans were angry. And I think that anger is totally justified. Um, This is a guy who has beaten one team, not named the Washington football team in his entire career. He has far more turnovers, both interceptions and fumbles. And he does touchdowns. Um, Yeah. He can make a good deep throw, um he's really good at using his legs you witnessed that firsthand of um, a
0: good 80 yard run
1: until the turf monster got him but you look at this guy you look at his body of work you look at the fact that we're a year and a half in and i'm sorry you know the, the days of reaching quarterback patience are over in the nfl you look at what guys like kyler murray are able to do right out of the gates and in year two even guys like josh allen who were sort of criticized for being that quote unquote prototypical quarterback, big white guy. And, you know, year two, he just turned it up and now he is you know, probably not going to be MVP because of how well Russell Wilson, um, Pat Mahomes and uh, Aaron Rodgers are playing. But, you know, you could have easily made that case before the season started, but you just look at a guy like Daniel Jones and you ask yourself, well, what's this guy's ceiling. And if the ceiling is uh, we hope he can be Alex Smith then you know that he is not your guy because for a franchise quarterback, you have to be able to elevate the people around you. You cannot be elevated. And I think a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo is the perfect example of, you know, think about how good the 49ers would be if they had above average quarterback play before all the injuries struck. Um, Alex Smith throughout his entire career was probably at best good for the most part, a game manager, And in this age, I was actually joking with some friends the other day, right? Think back to the NFL seven or eight years ago where you had guys like Kyle Orton that were regularly starting, even Jay Cutler, right? Like this isn't that NFL anymore. there, There are way more good quarterbacks than there are mediocre to bad quarterbacks. So for a guy like Dan Jones, where you think, okay, his ceiling is probably Alex Smith. That's not great. And especially considering this upcoming draft where the Giants should have a top five pick. And you have probably, at this point, four guys who, uh, who have first-round hype, maybe even more. And the fact that this might be the last good quarterback draft for the next year or two, that's really setting yourself up for quarterback hell part two. The Giants had part one when they took Saquon Barkley over any of those four quarterbacks. Because, hey, even if those didn't work out, you'd know. And then you're in the position this year to take one of these guys in the, in the top five. But it really is – it's just not inspiring. It's the same problems that persist over and over, and you have a chance to get – you're not going to get Trevor Lawrence, but I'm not bullish on Justin Fields. Other people, Neither am I. There you go. We can talk about that. Um, a lot of people seem to be. I mean, Zach Wilson is shooting on boards. I'm a huge fan of Trey Lance. I think his ceiling is like – I mean, like if you would combine prime Cam Newton with Dak of last year. Like that's how good I think this guy can be. Um, and, and, again, when it's quarterback play, it's all about the ceiling. You don't want, like, a, a safe floor unless your team's already established and you just need a guy to be a guy. You, know, you need just another guy. So that's where I stand on Dan Jones.
0: Yeah, and you've been outspoken as hell about taking Saquon Barkley number two overall, rightfully well, so, uh, especially when the Giants were a team that needed, you know, that franchise quarterback at the time. And and a has been,
1: people critique me. A lot of people say, oh, you, Mr. Josh Rosen. Yes, I did like Josh Rosen. Still think he was dealt a raw hand. But at, at the end of the day, listen, if he's not being given any of these chances and he's on practice squad this and not making it out of camp, that fine, I'm willing to admit I was wrong about Josh Rosen. But you go back to my Twitter on draft night, it said quarterback or trade back. And that's a win. And the Giants did not.
0: And now that Saquon's been out for the season, you kind of see – how Gettleman's like built this offense. And it's just like if Saquon's not there, they don't
1: function well. I would even disagree with that. I would say that this team, the, the functionality of this team does not depend on Saquon. I think we saw that last week with Wayne Gallman just ripping off chunk yardage runs. It's all about scheme. And, you know, you trade back and you maybe you get a Quentin Nelson, you get a right tackle in the second round. It's all about the offensive line. You, you Look at what Naheem Hines did last night for, uh, for the Colts. It's, it's never about the, uh, the quality of the running back play. I mean, it is. It's about the value of the, the running back position and that you can find guys like Alvin Kamara in the third round, Nick Chubb in the second round. These guys are some of the best running backs in the league, and none of them warranted a second overall pick. So if you know what to look for and you know how to build a team, you understand the process, I mean, it shouldn't be that hard.
0: Since Saquon's not playing in this game, and he obviously didn't play in the first matchup, but neither did Miles Sanders, but it seems like he's going to be back. What's the over/under that we get the uh, the broadcast crew mentioning? Penn Miles State. Sanders backed up yeah. Saquon Barkley at Penn State.
1: I think it depends if Saquon's on the uh, on the sideline, which at this point I don't think he would be because of his uh, recovery. Set the over/under probably three and a half. Uh, Easy. Yeah, but I'll I'll still set it at three and a half, but I'll juice the under. How
0: much hate and loathing do Giants fans have for Golden Tate right now?
1: Ooh, a lot. And I think it used to Welcome. be... Welcome. Yeah, yeah. seriously. <laughs> look, look at what podcast I'm on right now. But the thing is, he's been way more of a clown in his short time with the Giants than he was with the Eagles. Very true. I think when he was first brought on, the fan base was split. Now it's a majority clown. Like... Bro, you got suspended for steroids. You fought your sister's baby daddy on the field. You're talking shit about not getting the ball enough. And you're 30 overpaid. Like, just shut the fuck up. Go away. Nobody on this team wants you or needs this bloated salary. They should have traded him for a bag of balls at the deadline. Whatever. Uh, This guy is such a clown. I can't stand him.
0: And now he's suspended for whatever reason Joe judge decided to suspend him and it's He's like kick,
1: kicked him out of practice I think he is going to play though um despite he apparently injured his knee yesterday in practice as well he'll probably play but again I'm hoping it's limited snaps also because I'm starting because of Galladay injury I'm starting Sterling Shepherd in fantasy so for for many selfish reasons I'm hoping Golden Tate is not uh not playing
0: absolutely uh one wide receiver that I love but hate that he's on the Giants is Darius Slayton last season, the connection between Darius Slayton and Daniel Jones was unbelievable. Like they had something going and this season, it seems like it's drastically just like kind of fallen off. It's been a lot of hit or miss for Darius Slayton this year. What do you think has gone into that? And do you think it's Jason Garrett more than anything else?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it's twofold. I would put a majority of the blame on, this on Garrett, um, his offense. I mean, I don't. We we both watched plenty of Dallas Cowboys over the last <laughs> few years. I don't think either one of us could say that they've ever been a huge fan of a Jason Garrett offense. Um, and a lot of people tried to tell me that it would be different when he came here because oh, he's going to be calling the plays now. It's not going to be, I forget, with, with Kellen Moore, yeah, like he was the last couple of years in Dallas. But it's like, it's. For the most part, in the recent weeks, it's changed a little bit. It's been unimaginative. It's been a lot of running the football unsuccessfully. It's been a lot of Evan Ingram uh, trying to make a play in the open field. It's been a lot of short, quick passes because Dan Jones just panics and turns the ball over a lot. Darius Slayton was open a couple times deep in the last two two games. I would say a majority of that's going to be on uh, Jason Garrett's offense because as much as I criticize Dave Gettleman, listen to it, Broken clock is right twice a day, and he hit a home run on Darius Slayton in the sixth round. I mean, guy can be the Giants wide receiver, too, for the next seven or eight years.
0: Yeah, he's he's an absolute – like, he's one of those guys that can have a a mediocre game, and it's still a damn good game across the board if you look at how NFL wide – Five receptions,
1: 75 yards, like, just meat and potatoes type of player.
0: Exactly. And – you bring up Evan Ingram, who I think Giants fans have also started to turn on, if not completely turned on. What is it with him? Because he's he's got the talent to be, you know, one of those dominant tight ends, but it seems like it's what's between in between the ears that has messed with Evan Ingram. What is it that has just – he's just unraveled?
1: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, that's really it. Uh, I can't really speak for what's going on inside his head. And as much as I hate the cliche of a guy that just needs a change of scenery, this is a guy that needs a change of scenery. You know, it. it you look at the measurables: six four, four four forty, too too fast for a linebacker, too big for a defensive back. You can just right. You put you put a guy like this on the Chiefs, and you can just be like, okay. Andy Reid and you read Eric the You're going to turn this guy into a one thousand yard, eight touchdown monster, and it just. It hasn't developed. He's been in three different offenses. None of none of these coaches have been able to figure out how to use them. I think Jason Garrett has come closest, but it's just he's dropping balls. He's causing turnovers. We'll see. Um, it's A lot's really going to have to depend on how they use him in the second half of the season. But, you know, it's tough because you want to trade him, but he has no trade value. So see what you can get out of him the rest of the year, and then maybe you get him on a friendly bridge deal in the offseason just to see – Maybe he can keep it up, but it's it's just a confusing situation. The guy's got the measurables, all the talent in the world. He just can't put it together.
0: What's your take on this Giants offensive line right now? Because I think a lot of you know focus has been put onto it over the past you know season and a half, uh, trying to rebuild it. And then there's like a lot of back and forth with guys getting benched, injuries. What's your overall take so far on the Giants, you know, reworking this offensive line over the past two seasons?
1: It's been, uh, it's been in the works for even longer than that. You know, a lot of people like to shit on Jerry Reese and say that he didn't do anything to fix the offensive line. fact of the matter is he did try. He just failed. Um, <laughs> the, same, <laughs> the same way that Dave Gettleman did. Um, you know, Andrew Thomas is looking like the worst tackle in the draft out of the gates Um, Will Hernandez has regressed since his rookie season. Nick Gates is an undrafted rookie, or was an undrafted free agent, uh, right tackle. They then moved to center. Kevin Zeitler is over the hill, over 30, right guard. And then you have um, Cam Fleming playing right tackle, who's just like a journeyman. You know what the deal is. With all the draft picks the Giants have committed to offensive line since 2013, it's really embarrassing. This is the state of the line. Um, and Dave Gettleman was brought in here because he can identify the quote-unquote hog mollies. He hasn't done that. Um, could a guy like Shane Lemieux, who I was a huge fan of out of Oregon with the sixth round, develop into being, you know, a good left guard? Yeah, absolutely. But he's started one game. Andrew Thomas looked really good in his first game. So let's see what these guys put on tape first. But, yeah, I mean, the, the offensive line isn't good. They've played a bit better in, in recent weeks, especially in the run game um so we'll see if they can keep it up but this is a an offensive line that needs at least two more pieces uh in the offseason and depending on where they're picking and whether or not they decide to go quarterback a guy like Penay well with a top three pick would be a home run in my opinion solidify one of your tackle spots for the next 10 years and then hopefully andrew thomas figures it the fuck out
0: man i th- the only reason i was hoping the eagles was were gonna tank this year was because i wanted panace so badly he would have been such a rock star on this Eagles offensive line. And they were just like, nah, fuck it. We're going to go win a a bad division with a over the hill expensive roster.
1: Listen, I I don't blame you guys, you know, for, for a team like the Redskins, even the Giants. And at this point, the Cowboys, I'll, I'll fully embrace a tank. But for you guys, hell, you you could win, win the division. Go ahead. You know, Yeah. you're not going to make much noise, but you never, Hey, when you're in and anything can happen.
0: It's absolutely ridiculous, yeah. this, this division. Um, but on the on the defensive side of things, I'd say the Giants have been above average in a lot of spots. The defense has started to come around a lot. Um, what are your thoughts, you know, overall with how they've played? And, you know, they've gotten younger. You brought in some pieces in free agency as well, and I think they've helped. Um, but I think the Giants' defense has been the overall bright spot of this team so far.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, all of that is on coaching. Patrick Graham has done such a fucking unbelievable job. Can I curse, by the way?
0: Absolutely. Okay.
1: Patrick Graham has done such a fucking unbelievable job with the complete lack of talent that he has on this defense that there should be, whatever team has a head coach vacancy should be itching to hire Patrick Graham for the unbelievable job he's done with this defense. I mean, outside, uh, really, like you ask like the average fan, the average NFL fan, can you name one person on, on the Giants defense? The answer is probably no. Um, home run signing by Dave Gettleman bringing James Bradbury in he has been an absolute CB1 lockdown where the coaching comes into play a guy like Blake Martinez who was a very average middle linebacker and the joke among Packers fans was yeah the guy's going to lead the team in tackles but every single one of those tackles is going to be 10 yards downfield (laughs) this guy has been a different player this year he's got ridiculous game ceiling interception last week he's everywhere all over the ball also look this up after the show this guy's a fucking dumbass like there was a story in the offseason about how he didn't realize that he was allergic to eggs and was eating eggs for three meals a day (laughs) so again this between the years not much going on. And Patrick Graham was able to turn this guy into, like, a stud middle linebacker. They have absolutely no pass rushers. Their best pass rushers are, like, uh, Mr. Irrelevant, Tate Crowder, Kyler Fackrell, uh Leonard Williams over Pitt-ass, um, Dalvin Tomlinson, who's really, really fucking good. And if the Giants, for whatever reason, don't re-sign him, some team's going to get real lucky. He's, like, this generation's Linval Joseph. When Linval Joseph's on the Giants, he's so good. Um, but outside of that, like, ragtag secondary not too many guys there and just Patrick Graham has just coached the hell out of this team he really has
0: yeah I've been super impressed with the Giants and like you said Bradbury like he was the guy I wanted the Eagles to sign in free agency before they went out and got Darius Slay but Bradbury has like revolutionized that secondary and has been the guy that I think this Giants secondary has been looking for for years now and he's been a home run signing absolutely Joe Judge what are your takes so far you know now that we're heading into the second half of the season through you know half a year of Joe Judge so far positives negatives how, how do you feel about him as the head coach
1: slightly positive I think um, a lot of people are, are quick to tell me that I'm Mr. Negative all the time it's not that I'm negative about Joe Judge it's just what have you done for me lately right if this and it was looking that way a couple of weeks ago. This is a team that's going to finish with two wins and looking like they're going to have a top two, top three pick in the NFL draft. And they're going to bring in a new GM. If that new GM is like, you know what? I want my own coach. Joe Judge, thank you for your service, but see you. Um, that has changed a little bit in the last few weeks. Uh, he's very prepared. He's very detail oriented. A lot of football cliches that I was hesitant to buy into given The fact that Ben McAdoo was a a Giants head coach uh, as so as was Pat Shermer so you know you can throw all the football cliches at them you want at this point I'm going to stop buying it until the Giants have found their guy I'm I'm leaning towards the Giants have found their guy but again I still maintain the take that if they bring in a new GM if they bring in Ed Dodds who wants to bring in Robert Saleh from the 49ers um or someone like Mike Borgonzi from, from Kansas City who wants to bring Eric the with him to be the head coach, then fine. Listen, Joe Judge, thank you. You did a great job. The team was dog shit to bring in a new GM. I'm sure you'll have success elsewhere. But, I, you know, there's just no attachment to it. Win me, win yeah. me some games. Win, you know, make the playoffs. Do something. And I know he was dealt a raw hand with this roster. But, you know, it, it is what it is. And I, I wish him the best if this is the end for him.
0: Because it seems like from the outside looking in, a lot of the players have like bought into Joe Judge as being, you yeah. know, their guy and, and they like what he's, you know, implemented so far.
1: Which is impressive given how bad the roster is. But I think a lot of people came in with low expectations this year, the players themselves also. Because if you look at the the Ben McAdoo team that turned on him, one the team had a lot of personalities and divas, and I'm not just talking about Odell because he was generally well liked, you know. I think that was the end of <clears throat> Eli Apple's tenure. Landon Collins was on that team even Damon Harrison who's an upstanding guy was talking shit about certain players. So there was a lot of shit going on, especially when you have a 10 win team that then goes on to be terrible the next year. there's going to be a lot of drama and some players maybe not buying in, but I think part of the reason why you're seeing the buying with Joe judge is because the bar is the floor. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, you know, it's tough to be disappointed with the season's results when you would have been pretty happy hitting four or five wins.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look at this division too, and how dog shit it's been. Uh, the last time these two teams played, which was you know a couple weeks ago, it was way too close for comfort. Um, and it always seems you're like you're,
1: you're an Evan Ingram reception away from losing.
0: Oh my god! It, it always seems like these two teams, no matter how good or bad they are, it's always a one score game. Yeah, like it, it always seems to be that way. Don't know why, don't know how, but looking at how the Eagles are now, as compared to the last time these two teams played where they're getting healthier, it seems like there's going to be more weapons available for Carson Wentz, which who knows if that even helps him. Um, because for whatever reason, I still go back to that video of Doug Peterson talking to John Lynch saying, yeah, he's pretty damn good until we mess him up. And it (laughs) seems like it's, uh, it's gotten to that point where something is wrong with Carson Wentz. Don't know what it is. Um, but hopefully, you know, with some consistency now, he tur- he starts to turn a corner a bit. And this is one of the four games I have left on this Eagle schedule where it should be a win. Um, but looking at this Eagles offense where they're getting skinny, slender man Alshon Jeffrey back, uh, he looks like he's lost like 50 pounds uh, since he last stepped on a football field from the videos the social team put out yesterday. Uh, Miles Sanders coming back, potentially Isaac Sayamalu on the offensive line. What are your expectations for the Giants' defense? Being that they've been the bright spot this year, going up against this Eagles' offense 2.0. Yeah, it's
1: it's really not even the, it's not not the Eagles' offense that scares me. Uh, as well, I just muted myself back. As self-deprecating as I am about the uh, the Giants, man, Carson Wentz blows. Like I just watched this guy now; He was a totally different player than he was the year of the Super Bowl. He is just ruined. And I think it says a lot about the state of the team with how bad we saw him playing a few weeks ago and Jalen Hurts can't even get in the game for a few passing down snaps. Like, you guys are headed for a rough period if you move on from Carson Wentz and you guys don't have a quarterback to replace him. Uh, You know, that Jalen Hurts pick is looking more and more questionable. Again, I'm not there behind the scenes. I'm not following the team as close as you guys are. But to use a third round pick on a quarterback like that who can't even beat out a guy playing as poorly as Carson Wentz, that's a a little worrisome. It's...
0: You know, it it hasn't even felt like game week here because fucking Brett Favre decided to open his mouth on first take and say that Doug Peterson should have stepped in and Nick Foles should still be the quarterback here. Take a look at how the Bears are playing, buddy. They're five and four since Nick Foles came in and they were five and one before he was the starter. So uh, maybe check yourself on that. And that's been that's been the storyline all week is Brett Favre opening his mouth. And it was,
1: it was it's the thing. It was never about Nick Foles versus Carson Wentz. No. It was, it's neither Nick Foles or Carson Wentz.
0: <laughs> and it's like, we are, Nick Foles has not put an Eagles uniform on in two years and we're still talking about it. Like yep. it, it's, it's t- been time to move on from that conversation. I think that's part of the reason Carson struggled is because the conversation just continues to pop up. And then the front office did what they did in the draft, drafted a quarterback early, and now he's got a guy looking over his shoulder, and it's just put even more pressure on him to feel like he has to do everything yep. to impress everyone in the organization. Because everyone knows Jeffrey Lurie's going to keep Howie Roseman over Doug Peterson if it came down to that, because yep. Howie Roseman is Jeffrey Lurie's golden boy.
1: Yep. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's not the offense that scares me. It's the defense and whether or not the pass rush is just going to rattle Dan Jones enough to make a few mistakes, which bar is very low. So you guys should be able to do that.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to another week of hopefully TJ Edwards and Alex Singleton playing linebacker for this team, because when they were both on the field against the Cowboys, good things happened. Um, Nate Gary being in the lineup still confuses me to this day. It's probably why Jim Schwartz hasn't gotten a head coaching job offer uh, since coming to be the defensive coordinator because he plays terrible players on the defense. Um, I'm excited for Slay versus Slayton 2.0 as well. I think that matchup's always, you know, something that people talk about just because of how good Darius Slayton is. And then, obviously, Darius Slay is one of the best corners in the NFL. Oh, yeah. I just – the, the secondary is what scares me too for the Eagles is just Darius Slay is like that guy. Like you guys have James Bradbury, we have Darius Slay. And then it's like up in the air, you know, who decides to show up sure. and play that week?
1: Yeah. I mean, a lot of it's going to be predicated on play action too. Mm-hmm. Because you know, the Giants are going to go run early, run early, run early. And then one of them, they're just going to pop first down play action, see who's open downfields. But it didn't fucking work last week. I don't even know why. I caught like, myself <laughs> into, into thinking whatever. If Daniel Jones was missing wide open. Darius yeah. Win last week, like uh, whatever you guys. And then Daniel- you guys don't win by like two touchdowns. Your team is trash. Like,
0: which we probably won't. Like I, I'm easily thinking this is going to be like a four point game.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. Daniel Jones, though. It you know we talked about him earlier, but he he shows up in games that he probably shouldn't show up in and then in games where he should be, you know, having a field day, he kind of like transforms into the quarterback that everyone thinks he is because that game against the buccaneers, you know, led them down and they're a, you know, two-point conversion away from, you know, still being in that like that game could have still be going on. Yep. Um but I mean, he played well, you know, enough against the the Eagles last time where You said it's going to come down to that pass rush and the Eagles defensive line really hunkering down and beating the offensive line for you guys that isn't, you know, the greatest. But you need to get that pressure on Daniel Jones to force him to make the mistakes that he's been known to make now in his career.
1: Yep, that's it. That's what the game is going to come down to. Can you guys trick him or hit him hard enough that he's going to make a stupid mistake?
0: Yeah, and I mean... Looking at the way the defensive lines played this year, they're last time I checked, you know, they're top five in the NFL this year. At one point, they were just sitting behind the Steelers, which is absolutely stupid. Wow. Did not. Know um, that. that's impressive. Yeah, uh, just for like pass rush and uh, creating pressure. At one point, I think it was like right after You're the Steelers. You're talking game. me
1: into an Eagles bet right now, whether whether you <laughs> know it or not.
0: Uh, and I, I think one of the, the big reasons the Eagles defensive line is really stepped up this year is there was a lot of doubt around Derek Barnett and then we didn't know what Josh Sweat was going to be this year fourth round pick who a lot of people if he wouldn't have almost lost his leg in high school and then you know going through college with that injury people projected him as a, a first round talent and he's really stepped up to the plate this year and guys are getting healthy on the defense as well so you know looking at the the Eagles injury report this week it wasn't like looking at a CBS receipt it was uh <laughs> It was actually really refreshing to see like two guys just didn't practice instead of like 12. Um, Who's your X factor this week for the Giants to, you know, hopefully step up and and show something that, you know, there's still a little bit of a fight to this team and somebody that could, you know, be a game changer.
1: I'll say Sterling Shepard. He has flown under the radar a lot this year because of one, his injury, to how good Slayton was last year and the expectations he had coming into this year. Um, And the fact that the giants are still force feeding Evan Ingram, the ball, regardless of how well he's playing. Um, He's a guy that at this point, he's a veteran on the roster. He's on his second contract. He is probably their most fiery player on offense. You know, he'll catch a ball, he'll get jacked up Um, for as small of a guy as he is he actually had an insane vertical in college. I think of wide receivers, he had like the second highest vertical in um, his draft class. Don't fact check me on that, but I just remember that it was an an insane number. Um, So again, this is a guy that went healthy. If he and Daniel Jones develop a a rapport, he can be dangerous, Um, you know, both after the catch. I think they ran a couple trick plays with him last week on a reverse um, and he could even be a deep threat. So very, very underrated player um giants fans love him the only thing is he's always hurt he had a toe injury he's had like 50 concussions the guy's one hit away from having his nfl career ended um so it it really just comes down to whether or not he can stay healthy but i would say that he's going to be the x factor for the giants not just in this game but moving forward
0: what year was Shepard drafted
1: Ooh, i want to say he was a second round pick let me let me check 16 2016
0: so he's the lone remaining member of the Giants offense that was on the boat that also was part of yes. the Giants that was the last Giants team to beat the Eagles. Yep. Because the, the Giants – I saw that yesterday on Twitter. The Giants have not beaten the Eagles since the boat picture.
1: That is true. Uh, so I'm looking it up. He had a 41-inch vertical leap. True uh combine stats i'm gonna we're gonna do this live that is who who has the highest vertical yikes there was an offensive guard from north carolina with a 19 inch vertical (laughs) there you go all right so he had the second highest no he was tied for first in vertical um at wide receiver the the big the best vertical of that draft was a running back who I've never heard of named Daniel Lasco at 41 and a half, then Jalen Ramsey at 41 and a half, and then four guys tied at 41, including Sterling Shepard and Josh Doxson.
0: That's pretty wild. That's nuts. 41 <laughs> is vertical for a guy who is listed at
1: 5'10. Nuts. That's wild.
0: Yeah. Sterling Shepherd has always scared me when he plays the Eagles because, like you said, like he can just do it all. Like he can get open, uh, you know, on slant routes, he can he can make moves downfield. And he's always a, a threat against the Eagles for whatever reason to score touchdowns. Yeah. Like last game scored a touchdown that should have, you know, changed the momentum completely in that game. And he's always just been somebody that is a pest, you know, playing against the Eagles. So it always frustrates me. Um, knowing that we have no clue how to cover him, typically whenever we play the New York Giants. There you go. Dave Gettleman out after the year. Yes. Does that cure everything no. for the Giants moving forward, like in terms of just stability?
1: No, because John Mayer is a fucking idiot. So. <laughs> <laughs> seriously the the future of the franchise is going to rest on his shoulders whether or not he is going to be able to get out of his own way um his brother chris is like vp of player development fucking idiot should not be in charge they've just hired guys internally um and who the organization is familiar with you know who he consulted uh with to before hiring dave gettleman Ernie Acorsi, motherfucker, is, like, 75 years old, like, has been totally out of touch with the game. Like, enough's enough. Bring in a young mind. Bring in someone who knows what they're doing with a good track record who has zero attachment to the organization. Let him turn the ship around. Stop trying to do it yourself because you're an idiot. You don't know what you're doing. Your brother's an idiot. Steve Tisch is drunk in L.A. the entire time. Hire someone who knows what the fuck they're doing.
0: If you just took out... The name New York Giants and inserted Philadelphia Phillies. Same situation. There you go. It, it makes too much sense. Does. Uh, still pissed at your Islanders for beating the Flyers in the playoffs.
1: Ah, I'm pissed at my Islanders, too, for not beating the, <laughs> beating the Lightning. Uh, They're an overtime goal away from forcing a game seven. Sad.
0: Will you ever forgive the Lightning for being the reason that your favorite bar had to uh, shut down? I think, I think I will. I
1: think I'll forgive them eventually. I don't. I don't think this is the end of the road for Offside Tavern. I'm optimistic about that.
0: I have been following your retweets, and I I do hope that they uh they resurface where uh, things potentially could resurface.
1: Well, I'm um, I'm hoping the uh, the new arena is looking good, and uh, I just hope that Nick has been in in contact with uh, the food and beverage vendor management team over there. I think. Uh, I don't know. I'm optimistic. We will see, though.
0: It's going to be fun. Uh, shout out to them, though, because they're a lot of fun to see your retweets and everything on Twitter. <laughs> and to have a, uh, a food and, and drink establishment be as active on Twitter
1: as they are is oh, yeah. always impressive. For, for as active as I was in there, they are <laughs> twice as active on the, the Twitter. Ethan,
0: let everybody know where they can check you out on social, read everything that you guys do, and podcast everything that you guys do for Gotham.
1: For sure. So you can follow me on Twitter at EthanGSN. The blog for all things New York sports is GothamSN. Um, and then you can listen to me, although at this point we haven't recorded for a few weeks, but you can listen to me on NYG Weekly by searching NY Giants Weekly in the uh, Apple Podcast Store uh, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We're on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, all the fun stuff. So, check us out there.
0: Score prediction for this weekend?
1: <clears throat> Let's see. Eagles really getting Alshon and Miles back?
0: Miles looks like a go. Alshon is probably game-time decision.
1: Is Ray healthier healthy or no? Yes. He 28 17
0: eagles and you got to deal with travis Fulgham, the uh yes the hidden gem of all hidden gems seriously dude's been aaron Rodgers is probably punching a wall though, <laughs> that they had that guy in their building and now he's yep. playing somewhere else if it's tw- 28 17 would be a dream i think it's gonna be 27 21 eagles get a win
1: yeah
0: you're the best man it's always good catching up with you and uh Hopefully this division turns around so it's not dog shit for the next 10 years.
1: Uh, That's certainly optimistic. I wouldn't count on it, but (laughs) thank you for having me. It's always a blast and I'm sure we'll, we'll do some more episodes in the future.
0: Absolutely. I'll talk to you soon, bud. Talk soon. So there you have it. Eagles fans. I think it's going to be a close game. My boy, Ethan thinks, you know, it might be a little more, uh, leaning towards the Eagles, but either way, I do think the Eagles come away with a big win here and just continue to build their their enormous lead in the NFC East because the rest of the division absolutely stinks. I think key plays, like Ethan said, it's going to come down to the defensive line, doing what they have to do to make sure they're getting pressure on Daniel Jones, making sure that you know, he's, he's not comfortable in the pocket. Make him, you know, scramble around. And uh, even though he's good with his legs, you can still create pressure and get after him and, and make him, you know, force him to make mistakes. So Eagles defensive line is definitely my X factor in this game. And uh, we'll see what happens. But make sure you guys are following Ethan and everything he does covering the Giants and all New York sports at Gotham Sports Network. They do a fantastic job. Uh, definitely an inspiration for us here at Underground Sports. And uh, make sure you guys are following us on social, Twitter and Instagram at PHI. Check out the website, undergroundsportsphiladelphia.com. And make sure you guys are following me on Twitter at KBIZZL311. And subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app. And if it is Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star rating and review. Let me know how you're feeling about this Eagles team heading into another matchup with the New York Football Giants, even though they play in New Jersey. Five stars only because we have standards. We know you do too, and we know they're five stars. You can also listen to all the shows on Spotify, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, the TuneIn app, iHeartRadio, radio.com, wherever you get your podcasts. We are there, and we'll be back next week as uh, we'll have a brand-new guest playing the Cleveland Browns the Eagles will be they will be traveling to Cleveland, take on the two-headed monster of Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, who should be back this week for the Browns. So it's going to be an interesting matchup there. Uh, no OBJ, so that's a big boost for the Eagles as well. But uh, it's Eagles-Giants week. Unfortunately, no Deshaun Jackson. But uh, Alshon Jeffrey is going to be back. So we'll see how Alshon performs in this offense. And as the Eagles get healthier, we'll see if it helps Carson Wentz. This has been the Week 10 edition of Season 3 of Eagles Enemies right here on Underground Sports Philadelphia. Thanks again to my man, Ethan Levy. I'm your boy, KB, and as we always say, Go Birds!